Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I don't know anyone other than Ross that's more into the NFL season than you. How do you go on vacation week 16 of the NFL season, Costos? And good morning to both of you. For, how, do you, you look interesting there with the clean shave there, Mr. Briggs. That's why people need the radio.com app so they can watch the show. Kind of look like an overgrown penis. Like an overgrown penis, I would say, with the, oh. with, with the shave, with the no hair on the face. Kind of got a little phallic thing going on there. Good morning. Good to talk to you guys. Hey. Yeah, hey I'll be on a so beach next two, week. Two thoughts. Two thoughts. As soon as Costos, Dave, said yeah. you looked interesting. Interesting <laughs> is not good. When someone says that somebody looks interesting, every time Costos has come on this show, he has commented about how handsome you are, how good looking you are, your attire. It's, I think it's fair to say your clean shaven look, Dave, has devastated Nick Costos and he is legitimately disappointed in you. I'm not devastated. Yeah. I'm, I'm devastated for him. It's like, why would you do that, Dave? Like the facial hair is a great look for you. Give you a little scratch. This is not working for you, buddy. It's not bad. It's just not great. Wow. You got to get the facial I, hair back. <laughs> Being honest, with you. you're better looking I, than I am. I admit it. But like, you got to get the facial hair back. Facial hair does a little something for you. you you're missing it right now. All right. So let's get a little right, bet good. out there. Let's get a little bet out there. Week six, week 15 starts tonight. Ravens minus 16, minus 16 against the Jets. I know you probably don't bet spreads that big my assumption if you had to bet tonight can they cover 16 well i I actually think the numbers are going to go up uh we had dave sharapin from cg technology one of the one of the best odds makers in las vegas he comes on you better you bet weekly he was on with us last night on wednesday night dave said he thinks this number is going to hit 17 uh, when kickoff rolls around now if it hits 17 um, there's going to be pushback immediately, so the number won't last. It'll come back down to 16 and a half. But I'm going to try and wait to get the best of the number here with the Jets. It, it's a, I, I'm, I don't think the Jets can win the game here, but I think if you are going to bet this game, I think the Jets are really the only way to look. It's a really low total in this game. It's only 45 points. So if you get a team that's a 17-point underdog with a 45-point total, like that's just... It's, it's a lot to ask for the favorite to cover that spread. Now, Ravens are probably the best team in football. The Jets are not one of the best teams in football. On the road, on a short week, Jamal Adams is going to be out. Quentin Williams is going to be out. Um, my only fear for the Ravens here in this game, and it actually dovetails in with fantasy as well, like we remember that Monday night game a couple weeks ago when the Ravens just steamrolled the Rams in Los Angeles and Lamar played basically into the fourth quarter until they put a 40 spot on them. And we were all kind of watching the game like, why is Lamar in the game right now? Like, get him out of the game like you won the game already. Don't subject him to unnecessary hits here. You got a Super Bowl to potentially win. So I don't know if we're going to see that now that it's the home stretch, three games to go. Um, so I think there's a chance Lamar doesn't play this whole game tonight if they if they get out to a big lead. I wouldn't play him the whole game. Like, get RG3 in there. Get Let RG3 play a little bit. Rest rest Lamar. That's the MVP of the regular season here. And get ready to win a championship. So that's the, that would concern me from a fantasy perspective and also if I bet the Ravens in this game so let's wait until kickoff, see if we can get a really high number with the Jets. 17 is what I would look for, and then I would take the points. Otherwise, I would just look to play a player prop in this game, and it would be Marquise Hollywood-Browns over yards and to score a touchdown at any point. He's coming off a really bad game last week, the rookie receiver out of Oklahoma. He's got a ton of speed. There's no way these Jets defensive backs can cover him. And again, like I said, Jamal Adams is not playing in tonight's game. He's doubtful at the very least. So I think Hollywood-Brown gets loose and scores a long touchdown tonight. So Hollywood-Brown props, and I would take the Jets if the number hit 17. Yeah, you know, Nick, it's interesting because I think the Ravens are going to smash the Jets. I don't think the Jets really want any part of this. And I know the Ravens are a little beat up, but they're playing at home. Those people are going to be going crazy. They're going to win by a lot. But last week, I won both with the Redskins getting the points against the Packers. Uh, They scored a late touchdown. I won with the Lions getting the points against the Vikings. They scored a late touchdown. You were on the other side of that, Nick, if I remember correctly. That's my issue. Even when the number was 14 and a half, I can just picture 
the Ravens being up by 20 or 21 and Sam Darnold driving the Jets down and scoring a touchdown with 48 seconds left. I mean, that to me is sort of the issue or the flaw, whatever you want to call it, when you're betting is that the team is just playing to win. They're not playing to win your bet. And so I have a really tough time ever laying that many points. And I think I would take the Jets just like you. I know you're going to wait to try to get 17. But just because Darnold is the type of quarterback that would go ahead and get that late touchdown for the backdoor cover. Yeah, again, we call it trolling through the back door. Like, the back door is going to be open in a big spread like this. It's one of the reasons why I kind of like Oklahoma against LSU in the college football playoff in that, in that national semifinal. Because the back door is going to be open at the end of the game, most likely here. And I trust Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma to get through it. Same thing with this guy. And it's like, and, and Ross, you bring up a great point. At the end of the game, like, if that scenario presents itself, the Ravens aren't going to be, like, like blitzing him and, like, try. Like, who gives a shit at that point? Like, the game's over at that point. So it's going to be probably against the prevent defense. Well, maybe not with Baltimore, because actually John Harbaugh is actually a really smart coach. So maybe they wouldn't do that. But like that is obviously the concern when when you lay a big number like this, especially with a low total. That's why I think that like there's almost not enough variance unless Baltimore wins 30 to nothing, which again, eminently within the realm of possibility. It would just strictly be a numbers play for me to take the points with the Jets if that number hit 17. Otherwise, like I said, I'm just going to stick with my Hollywood Brown player props. And uh, I'm in a lot of fantasy this weekend, semifinals uh, for season-long leagues, and I'm going to be sweating that out as well tonight. You mentioned the college football playoff and big spreads. I would have taken LSU at minus 12. I would have taken them at minus 14 over Georgia. But you guys beat the hell out of me in case you forgot. Here's what you guys said when I suggested LSU would easily cover by two touchdowns. It's all going to be all right because we're all going to get rich betting Georgia to beat LSU in the SEC championship game. You want chaos? That's where we're going to get chaos. And I think LSU is still going to get into the playoff after they lose to Georgia in the title game. That's the bet that I'm really looking forward to making. Georgia to beat LSU in the SEC title game. Oh, yeah. That offense, that conservative, boring offense is going to go toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow. Have you seen Georgia's defense? I have, but look, I, I think I think uh, we'll make a bet as it arrives. I'm taking LSU by two touchdowns. Great. That's oh. that. oh, great. Great. So give me, give me Georgia, Georgia plus Yeah, give me Georgia plus 14, Dave, and I'll give you I'll I'll give you 10 to 1 odds on the bet. Done. We'll bet 100 right, bucks. I'll get, get, uh, how about this? I'll give you $1,000. If, if LSU wins by more than 14 and you give me a hundred bucks, if Georgia covers the 14, how about that? <laughs> oh, how's my thousand bucks, bro? I haven't, I have not received that check yet, but that will be my fucking Christmas bonus. I can't wait to get my thousand bucks. Costa. I got fired. I got, you fired me at the beginning of the segment, man. I gotta, I gotta save <laughs> this money up, man. You, you and I actually Dude. made a bet before before the game, which we will leave off the air, but uh, we will not mention what it was on the air. But yeah, but you you won that bet. What a what a fucking victory parade! Congratulations, Dave. You 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 <laughs> called one game correctly. Good good job, buddy. Here's what's great: every sports book in the country would love to book your action. Go in there and place a couple bets, buddy. Go for it. Dip your toe in the water. <laughs> I did very well country. on that game. That is hilarious well to me. That, that that is like that is the one. Thing that I can remember that you totally got right and you were all over. And he has them, Costos. He has the millennial nation pull the audio and play the audio. And here's the thing. Here's how you know how how few calls or bets Dave makes. He remembered it. To the point where he asked Because you them, guys, no, because you guys beat the crap out of me. Nice try playing your shit. You guys both know that you guys beat the crap out of me for like two minutes after that. So, well, no. Because your, nice your rationale nice for the try. bet was fucking, you had no rationale. It was just LSU's offense is really That's good. That's the LSU's offense. Oh, Jesus Christ. Dave. I love how you guys flipped this back on me. Dave, nice Nick fucking and I, effort. Nick and I, no, you were just right. Say, Nick, you were just right. say you blew it. Just both of you it. say. You blew, it. You, blew you, it. you thought Georgia's I defense was spectacular. It was a terrible they, bet. They're not. They're not. It was a terrible fucking... Well, actually, I don't know if it's... I think just Joe Burrows is fucking transcendent. But, like, yes, I blew it. It was a terrible pick. You were right. I was wrong. Dave, here's the difference between Nick and I and you. Nick and I make so many bets. And you make fake so bets. Much, Nick makes and, bets. And so you much advice. Make, no, you yes, don't make I do. Bets. Yes, I do. Bets. 
You claim units. You don't make bets. I, you don't make- I place units. <laughs> you don't fucking make bets. Costos puts I, his money where his I, mouth is. I place First, units. And by the way, Nick and unit. I, Nick and I give so much advice, and I'm up 30 units, by the way, on my show. You should listen to it. Nick and I make so many bits. I don't even remember that. Like, I don't even remember that. What was that last week, two weeks ago? I don't remember. Yeah, I Nick a, doesn't I even remember that. You would if it were the other way around. But let's get to the important part. Clemson minus two and a half. LSU minus 12 and a half. College football playoff. Uh, are those spreads going either direction? And where are you now on them? Yeah, yeah the LSU spread is going to go up. Um, is that what it is right now? Is it 12 and a half right now? Like, because I it was I, at 13 and a half. So let me, let me just double check here. And let me see like this live board here. So I think that spread is higher. Give me one second here. I have because that changes the handicap. Yeah, I see. Like if they're 12 and a half, 13, I, I think it's probably going to go up to 14. There'll be resistance if and when it hits 14. I, I like Oklahoma um, to cover this number here, especially if I can get 14, then then that's, that's a no-brainer for me. That is the same spread that it was last year um, in the national semifinal between Oklahoma and Alabama. Had Oklahoma in that game as well. So LSU is going to... I don't think there's any question that LSU is going to win the game, right? I, I'm not advocating for Oklahoma to win this game, but I think Oklahoma can definitely do enough to, to stay inside the number here. And I think we're kind of maybe if we look at just what happened on championship Saturday, and I think this is kind of like what human beings do in general. Like we remember what we saw last and what we saw last on championship Saturday was LSU and Joe Burrow to be fair, Dave, like you nailed the game. You were right. Joe Burrow had a transcendent performance. Um, Maybe it's not like the best statistical performance ever because in college you see like these insane stat lines. I thought that was as well a quarterback could potentially could play in a big game at the collegiate level. Like I thought he was absolutely incredible watching the game. I was like, I wasn't even, I was mad that I lost my bet, but I was more kind of in awe of Joe Burrow. Like he was incredible. So that was the last we saw of LSU. They're now the number one team. We saw Oklahoma win the Big 12 on the same day, but they struggled to do it against Baylor. Lincoln Riley coached very conservative. A true freshman came in and threw a couple 80-yard darts in that game. Jacob Zeno for Baylor. And Oklahoma should have won that game fairly easily. Um, So I think that we're actually getting a little value with Oklahoma here. You know, everyone's going to want to take LSU. LSU's going to score a lot of points, but I think OU can score on this defense as well. And it changes the handicap when you have three weeks to prepare for the game. And remember, Lincoln Riley has been there and done that. You know, this is his third college football playoff that he'll be coaching as a, as a head coach in Oklahoma. This is the first go-around for Ed Orgeron, Joe Brady, and, and company at LSU. So again, this is not an insinuation that Oklahoma's going to win the game, but I think it's too many points. So I'll take those points with Oklahoma at the height of the market when, when that gets up to 14. As for the Clemson-Ohio State game, uh, I'll take Clemson whichever way possible. So this line right now is around Clemson minus two. At some point, there's going to be an avalanche of Ohio State money. So that's going to happen. That's what all our odds makers have said on You Better You Bet. So at some point, this is going to come down to like a pick probably, or maybe Clemson is like a half-point favorite. So Ohio State money is coming in. So if you like Clemson, you can probably wait a little bit and get a better number than Clemson minus two. But for me, Clemson first half, Clemson full game, Clemson money line, love Clemson in this spot. Kind of the same situation. Justin Fields in 100%. Trevor Lawrence is awesome. He's been dialed in ever since the North Carolina near loss. And you got on one side Dabo, who's been there, done that. And for Ryan Day, this is his first go-around as a head coach. Um, Again, not saying Ohio State's a bad team, but I'll take Clemson, and I won't even think twice about it. So Clemson and Oklahoma against the spread, my two picks. And I think we'll get a national championship game of Clemson and LSU, which is what everyone wants to see. The Patriot way is not the way it is everywhere else. And their success is primarily as a result of having the best head coach and the best quarterback and, frankly, a lot of other really good players, which is why I think he and other Patriot players during this 20-year run should be even more frustrated with the organization for the series of mistakes that took place for them to be in this situation once again, where people can once again be skeptical and once again be calling their their accomplishments into question. For an organization that is so detail-oriented to have at least three or four things be off in this situation, it's really bad, really poor, and frankly, I'm not that guy that calls for people to lose their jobs. I'm just not. I, I don't believe in that. It's I, I've lost my job several times. It's not fun. 
but this is serious enough and there's been a failure here by somebody somewhere and we can debate whether or not Belichick knew about it or should have known about it, but someone should be better than this. We do both agree. The video has to be out there. I don't think they were cheating. I think it is too stupid to be true, but I think we can satisfy all critics, all answers by just putting the video out there. Don't think we're going to see it. I don't think there's any chance we're going to see that video. And so the suspicions will remain and some will put Bill Belichick on their Mount Rushmore of all time sports cheaters who are the faces of cheating in sports history. They talked about that on 95-7, the game out there in the Bay Area in terms of the great cheaters of all time. Do the Patriots deserve to be a part of that conversation? We continue our Radio.com Red Zone with 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. 95.7 The Game. You get the first pick in the cheater draft, Eric. Who are you taking? Astros, of course. I'm a Dodgers fan. You get the second overall pick in the cheaters draft. Only the Houston Astros are off the board. What are you doing? I could go with a lot of sports athletes, but I'm going to go with my guy. Rest in peace. He, he lies. He cheats. He steals guy, Eddie Guerrero. You have the third overall pick. What do you got? I'm surprised he's here. Barry Bonds. You have the fourth overall pick. Bill Clinton. Ooh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll take it. No one's going to argue with that. Cheater draft. Fifth overall pick. Last Sixth overall pick. Who you take? I think anybody who takes steroids to punch somebody in the head. So I'm going to pick Brock Lesnar. That's my choice for that. Brock Lesnar. Cheater draft. You have the seventh overall pick, Duke. Who you taking? I got a good one for y'all, man. I don't know why nobody picked this. I got to go with old Jeb Bush. Who uses dead people to win votes, man? If that ain't cheating, I don't know what the hell is. You get the eighth overall pick. Got to keep it with the topic. We're still Patriots there. You're going Patriots. Yeah, why not? Patriots should absolutely make the, the, the list. Absolutely. Ninth overall pick, Robert. What are you taking? I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little controversial here. I think that trans, trans, transgender women that compete as women, I think that there's a disadvantage on their own uh, little uh, competition. Uh, Robert? Gender. Not sure that's part of the draft. Robert, love you. Thank you. Not touching that answer with a 10-foot ball. Ninth overall pick. What do you got for us? Uh, maybe a tie between Trump, if he hasn't been mentioned, and maybe the uh, Patriot Ball Boys from Deflategate. <laughs> the Deflators. Yeah, and how about this? <laughs> Let's go people with balls. That is excellent. That is the cheater draft on 95-7, the game in the Bay Area. Ross Tucker, what did you make of their picks, and who would be your number one pick in the draft? You know, you know what we should do, Dave? Because this is what I was thinking about. We should do a liar draft. Because there are cheaters and then there are liars. Like when I think of cheating, okay, in sports, yeah. I think of Lance Armstrong. Because I think of all of like the like yeah. the, the one-on-one interviews he did. Where he would be so like so confident. And I mean, um, who's my guy? The Raphael Palmero. I never, ever have cheated, (laughs) have taken any steroids. And then like six months later, he gets busted. I actually like there's a lot of people, I think, that cheat in sports. I am more intrigued. By the liars, like the people that can sit there and look at another human being or look at a camera and be that fervent in their lie. I just, I think that that is a character flaw that in my mind, you can never come back from. Like, I, I, I just wouldn't be able to do that. Like, I, I, I don't know how you do that. I actually, uh, the third one would be, so I got... Lance Armstrong, Raphael Palmero. My mm-hmm. third would be, was it Roger Clemens that said that 
his steroid guy was injecting his <laughs> wife in the bedroom, but not him or something like that. That was amazing too. Yeah, yeah, that that was an amazing uh, turn of blame there. I, I, too, think of Lance Armstrong in particular because of the attitude he took in the repeated interviews. So it was the it was the combination, to your point, of the cheating and the lying. For me, it's only two people that and just in terms of that pop into my mind, it's Lance Armstrong and it's Barry Bonds because of the command of the sport Barry Bonds took there because of the historic record that Barry Bonds broke and the assault on the record books. And and because we'll never really know what to believe or what not to believe, he really changed the sport of baseball. Now, in Lance Armstrong's defense, that sport until now, perhaps in that era, it was filthy. It was dirty. Everybody was cheating. So he probably had to cheat to get an edge on an entire field of cheaters. Remember when they tried to give uh, some of the medals to somebody that was clean and had not failed a test? Well, it was impossible. They had to go so far down, uh, they, they couldn't even find a clean winner. So Barry Bonds for me, Lance Armstrong, uh, certainly Roger Clemens de- deserves to be part of that conversation. Bill Clinton did come to mind. I, I got to admit, that certainly was in the top five for me. But it's amazing to me, Ross, how we've forgotten about Alex Rodriguez. The amazing rehabilitation of some cheaters, while others will forever be kind of villainous. Like Lance Armstrong really still has not returned to the public domain, even though... You could argue he's the greatest of them all because if you if you look at what happened because Lance Armstrong cheated, that guy raised more than $250 million to fight cancer. He changed the game in cancer worldwide. Like, who has a... I mean, forget about what he did with the Tour de France uh, wins. If you take that all away and just focus on what he did for cancer, he's one of the great athletes of all time in terms of what he accomplished outside of his sport. But how is it that we just totally forget and forgive some cheaters and don't others? I mean, Alex Rodriguez is is just as pop, probably as popular, if not more than he ever has been. People completely forgot and forgave his cheating. I'll give you another one and it's different, but nobody even remembers what Kobe did. Nobody even remembers what Kobe did or cares. Now, it's a different type of cheating. He was married. Um, But I always find that interesting, too. Like, I, it's weird. I feel like I'm a forgiving person, but I don't forget. Like, I don't forget. Like, and I'm I'm just not really here for that. Uh, I don't really believe in that. I'm not, like, acting like I'm a perfect person or a saint or anything like that. I just... I, I have a problem with that. So like guys like Kobe, guys like Tiger Woods, I don't root for for them. In fact, I probably root against them because I'd rather see people that I think are good guys have success mm. as opposed yeah. to people I think are bad guys. And I think both those guys are bad guys, but I'm in the minority. People love Kobe. People love Tiger Woods. People can't wait for Tiger Woods to go ahead and win. Yet I just think about him having, you know, this wife and these small children and him doing what he did. I think he's a scumbag and I don't want him to win. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast doug tabbitt was one of the three young men who broke the record driving from new york to la in 27 hours 25 minutes that's an hour faster than ever before what's the uh what's the route doug what, what do you take, I-80 I West? Like, what, what, what's the route? So, historically, people took the southern route, uh, which is down through Oklahoma and Texas and New Mexico. Um, that was considered the fastest route. We decided to take the northern route across I-80. We know it better. We figure there was less traffic, less construction. Um, weather was a little bit riskier, but it ended up in our favor. So, we took the northern route. And you averaged 103 miles per hour for an entire day driving. I've seen a lot of the video, and there are mm -hmm. police in a lot of the videos. So I assume there was some sort of arrangement where they know you're coming and they agree not to pull you over, provided they think you're somehow driving 103 miles per hour safely. Is that correct? How does it work? A absolutely not. Um it's a clandestine effort. Our goal is to fly completely under the radar to not really draw anyone's attention, including law enforcement. Um, mm. So nobody knows we're coming. That's the whole point of it. And uh, we have a lot of countermeasures in the car and spotters and binoculars and all that. So we hope to be alerted to any potential law enforcement entanglements uh, before they know we're there and slow down to the speed limit. So, but, but I swear, Doug, I've seen you pass cops in some of this video. W was that not from the actual race? Um, no, that was. But, you know, we were passing um, we were passing them at uh, at the speed limit. You know, they may have had oh. uh, speed, speed traps set up or something like that. But again, unless they catch you and say, oh, well, we got you on radar, then you know, okay. it's just another car going by. I mean, they got thousands of cars passing them all the time. So. All right. So, Doug, tell me the logistics. Like you said, spotters and all that. So what car are you in? And you got three guys in the car. And how long do yeah. you drive for? Give me like the play-by-play. The, uh, -play. Sure. So the logistics start long before the drive itself. We need to pick the route. We need to pick the right weekend. We need to pick the ideal departure time. We have spreadsheets that show us uh, our ETA to each city. Um, and uh, so we want to avoid uh, traffic. And we have about, we had about 18 scouts lined up in separate vehicles going ahead of us. So we had to line them up for the right time to spot for us. Um, we had to pick gas stops based on our estimated range. So we had gas stops about every 600 miles. We had to orchestrate those gas stops so that we could be in and out as quickly as possible. Uh, so mm -hmm. everything was rehearsed. We were practiced as a team. Um, and then once we get out on the, on the road, it's, it's really just driving. All right. I, I got to ask. Adult diaper? No, we uh, we take bathroom breaks uh, when we stop for gas. That's part of the the orchestration of a fuel stop is being able to get all of us to the bathroom while we're fueling. All right. So then my question, Doug, is tell me about the guys. Tell me about the three guys, married kids like cause, and that, that'll lead to my follow up question. Sure. 
So Arnie and I uh, were the two drivers and, and the, the planning behind all this. Um, it was really Arnie's kind of brainchild. He built the car and put all the, the effort into it. Um, so he is married with two girls. Uh, I'm married with a, a stepson and Berkeley, our spotter is 22 and single. Okay. So then the follow-up question is, what did your wife say about you guys doing this? A, just being gone for the weekend, let alone endangering people and society. Sure. <laughs> Uh, well, that's a common assumption and a fair enough one uh, based on uh, the numbers, but uh, I don't believe we endangered anybody, but uh, that's a, 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 an ongoing debate, certainly. Um, Arnie's wife, I think, just kind of rolls her eyes at, at all of his antics. Um, she's certainly supportive. She knows he's a, a good and safe driver. Um, my wife is a rule follower to the T. She's not a fan of anything that is uh, willingly, I guess, breaking the speed limit, uh, even though she fully admits she doesn't drive the speed limit uh, really ever, as, as I guess most of us don't. But, um, you know, her concern, obviously, everyone's concern is for our safety. I mean, going out on the highway is, is dangerous, no matter how you look at it. There's, you know, what, uh, 40,000 deaths on, on uh, U.S. roads every year and, and many more uh, times that uh, just accidents, fender benders, stuff like that. So any drive on the highway is dangerous, especially across country. Um, most people's assumption is that the faster we go, you know, we're being reckless or, or more dangerous. But uh, our counterpoint to that is we are 100 percent focused on the driving itself. And in a properly prepared car that's built and made for Autobahn speeds with professionally trained drivers and 100% focused on the road ahead and other drivers and potential risks, that we are in fact safer than the average person going out there who's drowsy, who's texting, who doesn't really want to be driving and isn't paying attention, who has bald tires, you know, all the other things that contribute to less than optimal situations. Doug, there is no question you guys are safer than 75% of the drivers I see out there on the highway every day. Just for kicks, the last time I went shopping with my wife, I said, I'm, while you drive, I'm going to count the amount of people texting while we drive. It was at least three quarters of the drivers on the highway. It's terrifying yeah. out there. It, uh, it as for real. the road, yeah, as for the road trip. Now, for me, there's two essentials of a road trip. The tunes. And the snacks, what were they? Uh, the tunes were uh, chatter from the police scanner and the CB radio. Uh, <laughs> the snacks were uh, very minimal, actually. We, we don't eat much on the drive. The less we take in, the less we have to uh, uh, expel. Um, so really just some protein and granola bars, um, some chocolate-covered espresso beans, a few energy drinks, a little bit of fruit, and some nuts. I mean, that's that's really it. Um, so then my question would be, did you guys get any nap or fall asleep, or are you just all caffeinated up for the whole 27 hours? Sure. Um, our adrenaline and focus keeps us going most of the way. Uh, we took a couple of cat naps. Uh, I got the most sleep because in uh, Colorado, we were stuck behind a sheriff at like 55 miles an hour for about an hour. So I took that opportunity to fall asleep. So what do you do when you're parked, when you're stuck behind a police officer? The rest of us are losing our mind. I hate when I get stuck behind a cop. You don't like alter the route then and try to get around that guy. You just got to deal with it. Yeah, there's, there's really no alternate route um, unless you're at a city that has, you know, two ways around it. But uh, it's, it's pretty much, you're just, you're stuck there. And it's oh, that super have... frustrating because you can see your average speed dwindling. Yeah. Like every 10 minutes or so, it goes down a tenth, and you're just like, come on. That's like me watching the meter in a taxi cab in New York City, just making me crazy. What's your job that allows you to do this? And what is it like driving around on a normal day with the rush that you got for 27 hours during this drive? It must be really boring. <laughs> 
Yeah, sure. Um, no, I, I, I enjoy driving, um, even at the speed limit. Uh, my business is buying and selling high-end cars. It's called Switch Cars. So I get to experience cool cars on a daily basis. And um, cars are fun at, at pretty much any speed, uh, especially older cars. I have a lot of cars from the 80s and 90s that aren't crazy fast. So they're a lot of fun and a good driving experience, even at you know, just normal speeds around town. So you might've just answered it, Doug, but my question was going to be, so like, so what, like, what, what do you get out of it? What's the point? And is the point just the uh, personal sense of accomplishment or has there been value in it for your business because you were able to just plug it on this show and other shows? Sure. Uh, there's certainly good exposure for the business. Uh, obviously, it's tough to measure any conversion from that. Um, I've had dozens of clients that I haven't spoken to in a long time reach out to me. And of course, that provides uh, new leads and opportunities. Um, other than that, it really is just personal satisfaction. It's, it's a challenge that's kind of born into people who are nuts about cannonball. And it's one of those things that we want to prove to ourselves that we are able to do this, that we're the fastest cannonballers out there. And, you know, obviously it's, it's gratifying as well to receive the accolades of others. But, you know, that's not why we do it. We do it because we want to do it. OK, so what's next? And knowing that you were behind a cop for an hour, I assume you're determined now to break your own record. Not at all. Um, there's always variables and always things that slow you down on a drive. And, you know, if we weren't stuck behind him, something else might've gone wrong that would delay us further. So there's always something. Um, you can't drive 2,800 miles without having uh, traffic or a, a something that will delay you, uh, no matter what it is. And I don't think with another five tries, we could go faster. And even if we could, it's not worth it. Uh, we did what we set out to do. We set an incredible time. Um, we did, I think, the best that we could with the team, the equipment, uh, the weather, and all the variables, and we're happy. So we're we're retired. Nothing uh, nothing beyond this. All right, last one, Doug. Uh, so what did you do when you got to L.A.? Did you, like, celebrate and have beers? Did you uh, go to the airport and fly back? Or did you just get there and say... All right. Well, that was cool. Let's go drive back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty anticlimactic because, you know, in the movie, there's a huge party waiting for you and everybody, you know, drinks and parties all week. Uh, we just kind of got there. It was quiet. It was the middle of the night. And we walked around and took some pictures and chatted with a local cop who happened to be patrolling the parking lot. And uh, as is Arnie's tradition, we went to Denny's. And as is my tradition, I fell asleep at, at the table because once I'm done a cannonball, I am cashed. I, I put everything I have into it and then I'm, I'm out. So it being throwback Thursday and all, let's go back to when the Cleveland Browns first signed Odell Beckham Jr. made that trade with the New York Giants and excitement was through the roof in Cleveland. 92-3, the fan. Yes, indeed. The impossible has become possible, Dustin Fox. Adam. Here he is, Odell Beckham Jr. is a Brown. The one move that we said would change this offseason, that would take the Browns from a contender to a potential division winner. Playoffs. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs. 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 They're the third favorite in the AFC. Dude. Now, when we have seen Odell and Baker work together, they've looked amazing together. I mean, they look like they've been together for a long, long time. I think right now John Dorsey's the leading candidate to be the 2019 uh, Executive of the Year. This is the team to beat in the North and will be. This is the chase. This is the team that's going to be chased now. This is the new Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not saying they're the Steelers, but this is the team where every year we go and say, oh, Pittsburgh's going to win that division. This is how I feel about Cleveland now. I, I, to me, it's almost like, okay, you got you other three teams. Good luck on the chase. Cleveland is the heavy favorite. I don't know how you're going to defend them. I don't. If the Browns go 7-9, it's a disaster. Even if they go 8-8, eight and eight, I kind of think it's a disaster. 
Baker was supposed to be this, you know, spoiled punk kid that, you know, can't uh, be mature enough to handle any type of responsibility. John Dorsey uh, doesn't know how to manage a salary cap and has no people skills. Uh, and Odell Beckham is this prima donna, whatever, you know what I mean? Right. Malcontent, pain in the backside. And, and it's been the exact opposite. Now, these are the guys we're going to battle with, whether it's the 53-man roster or the practice squad. And it's exciting because now it really feels real. And then you get through the preparation. You've had your mind on this opening opponent, you know, since the schedule came out. But then there's an anxiousness. Once you got the hay in the barn, so to speak, there's an anxiousness because you, you're wondering, okay, how good are we really? 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Listen to them anytime on the radio.com app. The excitement was palpable. People were jacked for OBJ, one of the top five receivers in this game, coming to the Cleveland Browns, who already had weapons around this offense. Ross, what could have gone wrong? Well, and in fairness, you know, those hosts, those fans, those callers, they deserve to be excited. Odell Beckham Jr. is a tremendously talented player, an exciting player. You know, they're looking at a Browns team that was 7-9, and nine, and Baker Mayfield hadn't even started the first few games last year. And several of those games had been with Hugh Jackson. And I think they thought, man, you get all that, and now we add a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., we're going to be rolling. And I don't really blame them for it, but what could go wrong is you could have a head coach that seems like a good-natured guy, but he's in over his head. You could have a quarterback who endures a sophomore slump and also continues to talk about things he just doesn't know what he's talking about, thinks he's knowledgeable about things he's not, and you could have an oft-injured, oft-unhappy wide receiver become, wait for it, injured and unhappy like Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, and that has been the story for Odell Beckham Jr. And now here we are with the latest reports out of Cleveland that in the month of October he was telling teams, opposing teams and coaches to, quote, Come get me. There's this great video out there. If you haven't seen it, check out the Twitter feed NFL memes in which Odell Beckham Jr. is talking to Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners quarterback, with his hand over his mouth. And that's what draws so much suspicion to this video. It sure looks like the perfect situation. It was in the month of October when OBJ may have been telling Jimmy Garoppolo to come get me. Get me out of here, man. So let's get to the TBT part of this. We heard then, what does it sound like now on 92.3, the fan in Cleveland? If, if they had come to the season and we expected them to be a six-win team, and lo and behold, here they are at six and seven, with a chance to get to seven and nine or eight and eight, we'd all be sure. thrilled. Yeah. We, everybody had higher expectations. Deservedly I, so. And I think, well, I, but I think that, I think there's something we missed. Yes, it is the most talented team in Cleveland since they've come back, bar none. Probably the most talented team they've had since 94. But culture isn't built overnight. No, and I don't know if Freddie can build it at all. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You can't you can't wear a Pittsburgh started it shirt. <laughs> and then and then that's like ten days after being like, hey, we know what we did wrong here. That's yeah, right. just you can't, Freddie. God love you. If the Browns are gonna move on from Freddie Kitchens as a head coach, they're gonna know who their head coach is before the last before the final whistle ended in the last game. They're not going to put themselves in the position where they do a, a drawn-out coaching search like they did the last time. Uh, Dorsey's not stupid. He's uh, going to sort of work behind the scenes, make sure he gets his man, and more importantly, may negotiate his own spot in the organization or retain his power. It's taxing on, on everybody, but the constant... Do you realize that we don't get to enjoy a victory because it's always something else? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it, it really yeah. And I'm not blaming that on the fans. It's always something else that, oh, we won a game and we're so focused on, you know, Baker this year has been media, he's been the doc, team doctor, he's been the general manager, 
he's been the wing. I mean, it's just a constant barrage. And I'm not just saying him. Everybody, which tells me who's in control, man. I, really. I, I don't know Freddie well. I, I'm just trying to figure out who is in control of the football team. We're enough of the talk, man. Enough of the distraction talk. So it's almost like the, the distractions. Let's talk about all this other stuff to take away from the fact that we're not a real good football team. But I... 92-3, the fan in Cleveland. It's the quintessential Cleveland story. You have to feel bad for him. It did feel like this organization was headed in the right direction, and now even when they do win, it still feels like a loss. But I think it's good news that Odell Beckham Jr. has told teams, players, coaches, whomever it is to come get me. Look, he still has generational talent. It clearly doesn't work there. It clearly doesn't work with Baker Mayfield. Jarvis Landry is the type of wide receiver he works well with. Now they've got David Njoku back healthy. He likes to look his way. Remember Baker Mayfield, before OBJ came to town, broke the all-time NFL rookie record for passing touchdowns and threw no more than four to anybody. That's clearly the type of quarterback Baker Mayfield needs to be. They need to trade Odell Beckham Jr., I guarantee you Philadelphia and the Patriots, if they want Tom Brady to stay, will come knocking, Ross. Yeah, so a couple thoughts here. Number one, I'm not ready to bury Odell in Cleveland yet. I'm not ready to say it hasn't and doesn't work when he's been dealing with a sports hernia the entire season. I mean, he's still going to catch over 60 balls for over 1,000 yards, and that's doing it the entire season without really, I'm guessing, ever being able to practice because of this sports hernia, which I had my senior year. Um, it's a real pain, and I actually, literally, and I actually applaud him for fighting through it and playing all year. You know, the Eagles only got one game out of Deshaun Jackson with a similar injury. You know, a core muscle sports hernia injury that needs surgery. And maybe Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't been exactly what they were hoping for, but he's delivered a lot more this year to the Browns than Deshaun Jackson had to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think on some level... You know, Odell deserves some credit for that. And I'm curious about two things. Really curious, Dave. Number one, you know, they gave up a decent amount to get Odell Beckham Jr. Are they really willing to move on after just one injury-plagued year and decide that it doesn't work? Or do they want to give it a second year? And if they did and were willing to move on, I'd be really curious to see what the market would be like for Odell. I'd like to think he'd still have a pretty good market. He's only 27 years old, very talented. But Dave, he's always hurt and he's always unhappy and he makes a lot of money. So I, it doesn't smell to me like a Patriots move with the money Odell's making. And I'm not even sure it smells like an Eagles move with the money Odell's making. This will be a tricky situation for the Browns. Now, I'd agree with you. It does not sound like a Patriots type of move. Uh, Although they did make that one move late for Randy Moss, they gave up virtually nothing to do with. They almost never go for a high-profile wide receiver, let alone a high-paid one. I just believe there is only one way to keep Tom Brady in New England. Now, the X factor is we don't deep down know if Bill Belichick wants to keep Tom Brady around at his salary next season. That's really the great mystery. His dad even weighed in on that a couple of weeks back, saying he's not sure what Bill Belichick wants in the end. I just think there's only one way to keep Tom Brady in New England if that's their desired goal, and that's to bring a high-profile wide receiver to town. I just can't see who else that is. Yeah. All right, so Dave, you think that Tom Brady wants to play somewhere else next year? I think he is probably going to call it a career other than staying in New England. And I think the only way he stays in New England is with the high-profile wide receiver. He doesn't look like he's loving it right now. Just doesn't look like he's has that same thrill to play the game that we're used to. 
I agree. So let's play a game, okay? Yeah. Percentage okay. chance that Tom Brady plays for the Patriots, Tom Brady plays for somebody else, and Tom Brady retires. Okay, I think there is a uh, – well, I I would say I think the likelihood – I can't put an exact number. I think if I were to bet, number one option, he retires. Number two option, he stays in New England. They give him some receiving help. And number three is he goes to play somewhere else. I just can't find the location. I just can't find the right situation for Tom Brady to go play next season. What's your rank? Um. Well, I don't know why you didn't want to play along with the percentage thing, but I'm well, going to do the percentage I, explain thing. Explain <laughs> what you mean by the percentage. I, I guess I don't know what you mean by percentage that he does something. So explain, and I'll, okay. and I'll weigh in. All right. So I think there's like a 5 to 10% chance he plays for another team next year. I would say I think it's – other than that, the other two options I think are pretty even. So I'll say 5% chance. He plays for another team. I'll say 50% chance he plays for the Patriots. 45% chance he retires. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.